Hi everyone, my name is Chad Kelly. Welcome back to the UMA Financial Podcast. We're back at it again today with Trent Cyril talking about how to manage cash within your investment portfolio. Hope you enjoy. Trent, thanks for jumping back on the Financial Podcast. We're back at it again. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here, Chad. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, yeah. So to kick off our conversation, um, we came across a, an interesting headline that I think will help frame our discussion today. Good. Only 39% of Americans have enough money in emergency savings to cover a $1,000 emergency. What's your initial response to this? Well, there are a lot of people in America uh, worried about uh, getting by from day to day. Um, we've all experienced emergencies that can run at least that much, if not more. Oh, yeah. I mean, like the transmission going out or dental. You know, sure. You Unexpected medical costs. A lot of things could, could occur. And uh, that means a lot of Americans are really worried about uh, their financial futures. Yeah. No, that, that, it, it's kind of shocking, I think. And... Um, that the majority of people don't even have that much money. But yeah, I, th- I think physicians, for the most part, aren't the majority who don't have the 1000 or can't cover the $1,000. We find that most physicians are able to. But I think it's something that to at least step back and look at and talk about um, and how it fits into a financial plan. Yeah, I think so as well. I, I concur. Most of our clients could probably handle an emergency like that. But uh, oftentimes it has to do with a larger discussion about their investment strategy or their allocation. Yeah, you know, we, we tell people all the time, a healthy, a healthy portfolio is probably some combination of a mixture of stocks, bonds, other asset classes, maybe real estate or other asset classes, and cash. Cash is, is one of those components. But it, it's interesting that, you know, people say, well, cash, you know, over the last 10 years, cash has paid next to nothing. How am I lumping that in with my investment portfolio when this investment cash is paying me nothing. Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, and for the last 15 years or so, cash has been nearly a 0% yield. So uh, unless you've had uh, an intermediate term or short-term goal that was just going to require uh, cash availability within a short number of years that you didn't want, susceptible or sensitive to market changes, then you had to accept that low yield rate that's changed in recent years for better. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we get the question all the time, um, you know, is my savings account the best place to hold cash? And, and so that's, I think this is ultimately the, the question that we want to, you know, zero in on and, and talk about for this podcast. But, um, I don't know. How, how do you approach that when someone asks you, should I keep all my money in my savings account? What, 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 what t- types of questions do you walk through in your mind, I guess, or ask the client? Well, first is, uh, you know, what's, what's the need for the cash? When are you going to need it? Uh, how long uh, can you let it earn? Uh, the interest rate that it might earn? And uh, how accessible does it need to be? Uh, there are a variety of places you could choose to put cash, um, and um, we can maybe discuss what some of those options are. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that the options, they're specific. You know, some people will say, oh, oh yeah, I'll need that cash to pay my mortgage next month, and so, you know, I can't have it locked up. Some people say, oh, I'm not going to need this cash for 
three years. So the, the, which option we recommend is going to vary greatly on, you know, what the response is. But yeah. Yeah, it really does. And uh, so, you know, for most people, we have a banking relationship somewhere. We, um, we have a checking account. Many of us have a savings account. Uh, some have a money market account or even a CD. And uh, the first experience or exposure we have to cash management or money management is through a bank. Yeah. Yeah, you know, if you if you bank at oh, some of the big banks in Utah, maybe Zions, Chase, Wells Fargo, these are the larger banks. A typical savings account is is paying a whopping 0.01% rate of return on a savings account, right? Yes, tragically so. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the bank is making much more than that on the money that you put in there as they lend it out to other people, but they're paying you 0.01%. Sure, and their shareholders are happy. <laughs> and their shareholders are happy. <laughs> and so, you know, a checking account, so that's for a savings account, 0.01%. Checking account could be comparable. Could even be less. Could, could be less, right? Yeah. And so, you know, that if we, if we say that's our rate of return, we have it in a savings account, or even like cash under the mattress, you know, and we say, well, what's inflation doing? or you know, inflation is, you know, is it eroding my buying power, my purchasing power? If inflation is 2% and I'm earning 0.01%, that means the, the value of my dollar is diminishing over time, right? Sure, it absolutely is. And uh, uh, cash at home is even more dangerous if you were to have a catastrophic event at home, a flood or a fire. Of course, uh, insurance would help cover some of those losses, but um, you're not getting ahead very fast in those environments. Fortunately, with the uh, interest rate changes over the last year or so, the Federal Reserve has been increasing interest rates because inflation has been uh, increasing a little bit as well. And the options for savings vehicles and the rates that one might receive has changed significantly. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. So yeah, I guess if we stay with the banking institution, you know, you, you can have a standard checking account, savings account. Banks also offer CDs. Mm -hmm. um, CDs come in different term lengths, meaning length of time that you leave a money in a CD. Um, they can range anywhere from like a year to multiple years. Right. right. So the longer the length of the CD, the higher rate of return you're going to get. That's right. And so I, I, you know, what would be a, a drawback or a negative, I guess, from investing in a CD versus like a savings account? Um, uh, the drawback might be that if uh, you get a three-year CD because uh, the yield was higher than a one-year CD, and usually that's the relationship that rates have to the term of a CD uh, deposit, the longer you're willing to let the bank have the money, the more interest they're willing to give you. But just as a side note, there's almost a, always a sweet spot of where there's not enough of a reward yeah. to go out any longer on CD terms. But to your point, if during the term you needed some of that or all of that money back, there is a penalty. And generally it's that you would lose some of the interest that you have earned up to that point in time. Yeah, yeah, so it's not, I, I mean, you, you can always get the money, but it's not as liquid, I guess, as sitting in a savings account. That's true. It's the trade-off. There is a trade-off. And so sometimes uh, for someone who likes the CD idea, they could even ladder a series of CDs through different maturities, oh, yeah. which would give them access to money at different waypoints. 
You could buy a three-month, six-month, nine-month, and one-year CD, which gives you access to money every three months. Yeah, and uh, at varying interest rates, maturity. Yeah, yeah. So essentially, you're hedging your bet, you saying are. I'm going to earn some more money, but I'm not locking it up. Sure. That's great. Yeah. Um, you know, so we've talked about banks. People often ask about credit unions. What, what about credit unions? Is that a good alternative, or should I stick with banks? Sure. Well, there are a lot of banking institutions, including another one that you didn't mention that we'll talk even more about in a minute, called yep. online banks. Not to be confused with online banking, which we all do now anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, certainly you have uh, two primary different types of institutions. Banks are owned by shareholders. You can buy shares of Zions Bank or Wells Fargo Bank or many other publicly traded banks, whereas credit unions are owned by their account holders. They call them shareholders, which are the members yeah. or the depositors in a credit union. Oftentimes, uh, the yields that uh, credit unions are willing to pay on saving instruments are higher than they are at banks. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned online banks. So the, the idea or premise behind this is, just as it sounds, there's, it's not a physical brick-and-mortar bank. Um, elect, you access it electronically. We all access our bank accounts electronically nowadays, but there's no physical building. What, what, what's the trade-off, or what's the, the benefit of an online bank versus like having a Wells Fargo down the street on the corner? Well, the benefit is, is they even have higher yields than the banks or the credit unions do yeah. because their overhead costs are lower. They don't have branches around the nation or world. Um, so like a typical online bank account, what, what, I, I guess let's, we'll, we'll back up. Bankrate.com is a, a website that you can go to and you can kind of see all banking options on one website. Sure. And they go and they they stack versus highest versus lowest interest rates, what your different options are. Yeah. And so if you go to Bankrate and look at a typical online savings account interest rate, what, what's what's ballpark? Yeah, well, it could uh, run the whole spectrum because you'll find if you sort that by the names of banks, you'll find our local banks on that list as well. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, they'll be at the bottom of the list if you're looking for the highest yields, sure. but they're still there. So uh, if you looked at banks uh, sorting by those that might have the highest yields, you're going to see banks like Ally Bank or American Express Bank, Discover Bank, Capital One, Citibank, and the list goes on Different and on. online banks, yeah. Absolutely. Now, many of us, have relationships with these banks maybe through a credit card, a credit card that we might have our own, and uh, that's fine as well. These banks have recognized and realized how easy it is to do transactions electronically, and why not offer a savings account as well? Yeah. And so, you know, someone might say, I, I really value the convenience of being able to drop by the ATM or reorder checks in a, the building just down the road from me. But I, I do want my money to earn something. You know, it, it could be practical for someone to say, you know, I keep my savings account at an online bank with maybe the majority of my savings or emergency savings um, with like a checking account at a local bank. Is sure. that a strategy you think would work for people? I, I think it's a great idea. Most of us are going to maintain our local relationship with our credit union or our local bank, and that's where we're going to run our checking account through. 
and maybe have enough in emergency cash reserves or a little savings account to cover other small emergency needs. But uh, beyond that, you're not going to get as good of a yield as you might with the online banks. So what you do, Chad, is really easy. You just establish an electronic link between your local bank and the online bank. Uh, You're not going to send them a check for a deposit. You're going to send them what's called an electronic funds transfer to make your first deposit. And when you need or want funds back, you're going to request money back to your local bank, which can happen almost overnight. Yeah, exactly. So interest rates right now might be in the range of two to two and a half percent, but by the time this podcast hits the wavelengths, it's going to change, right? This is an ever-changing number, sure. and, it, and it's dependent on where Federal Reserve moves interest rates. So this is all subject to move. So it's something that you kind of have to keep a little bit of an eye on and monitor if you if you want the highest interest rate out there. Sure. But uh, I think for most people, it, it could make sense to say, you know, if I have an emergency savings um, or a, a larger sum of cash, um, earning something more than 0.01% seems appealing to me. Maybe one of these online banks is a good option. Yes, absolutely. I think the other thing to note, um, a lot of these types of accounts have different protections than maybe if you were to put money in like a brokerage account. Talk a little bit about some of those protections, the insurance around these types of accounts. Yes, yes, that's a good uh, point to bring up. Uh, we need to remember and recognize that all of the banking institutions, that being a, a bank or a credit union, have insurance. And so a bank, oftentimes you'd see FDIC insurance coverage uh, at a credit union. I believe it's called National Credit Union Association coverage, NCUA insurance. So each account that you have is uh, insured up to $250,000 per registered account. You can certainly have multiple accounts to increase that coverage. And uh, at online banks, one might wonder, since they don't have a brick and mortar building or branches, do I enjoy that same type of insurance? And the answer is yes. As you go to bankrate.com and compare these banks, you'll notice that most, if not all of them, and I shouldn't say all of them, but nearly all of them have FDIC insurance as well. So I don't know that it would be prudent to choose one without FDIC insurance so just choose one with a good rate yeah. and with the insurance. Yeah, no, great, great point. I, I want to go back to kind of a previous part of our conversation. Um, you know, when you, when you someone says, I've got, I've got cash at hand, what should I do with it? Um, and you say, well, what are your needs? Some people, they might say, my need is years out. Um, you know, someone who's saying, I don't need the money for four or five years, but I do want it liquid. Um, Maybe a, a brokerage account could be something we look at. Is that is that correct? Sure, absolutely. And uh, uh, it's certainly not one of the entities that we should leave out of the conversation when it comes to saving and investing. Uh, the brokerage accounts still have um, cash reserve accounts that might be ba- paying down around the 0.01% as well. Yeah unless you look for or search for what we call a money market fund, which all of the largest brokerage firms and mutual fund companies offer. 
which again are yielding somewhere in the neighborhood of 2% or so. Uh, rather than uh, being called a money market account like they might be at a bank, they're called a money market fund at a brokerage firm or a mutual fund company. And the insurance backing is just a little bit different. Uh, it no longer has FDIC insurance. It has what's called SPIC insurance, which is slightly different about how that coverage works, but uh, the yields are about the same. Now, if you had maybe a goal that was a little bit longer term, say to three to five years down the road, you might consider something that might uh, have a little bit higher yield uh, and a little bit longer maturity, like a short-term bond fund, or depending on your tax rate, even better, a short-term municipal bond fund. Yeah, so a municipal bond fund, it, you, you, can, you can find them that focus on your state-specific or local or states of reciprocity, meaning states that are taxed, I guess, the same way. Or you can do national municipal bond funds. But the higher tax bracket you're in, the, the stronger need to find... The more attractive that yeah, comes. stronger yeah. need for tax, tax advantage accounts, I guess. And the only place you can get those is at a mutual fund company or a brokerage firm. No banks that I'm aware of offer tax-favored investments for their depositors. So uh, we use them a lot for our clients, and oftentimes it's part of their emergency cash reserves. And um, in the state of Utah, we have about a 5% maximal tax rate, and uh, if you can find municipal bonds that can avoid some of that federal and state tax, it's beneficial for those in those higher tax brackets. Yeah. So I, I guess to bring the conversation full circle, you know, some of, the, some of the people we work with who maybe are in medical school or residency, their goal should just be to have $1,000. Probably. To, to avoid that statistic we shared at the beginning of, you know, 39, only 39% have enough money to cover a $1,000 emergency. Very true. Um, maybe that's their goal. And so, you know, managing the cash based on that goal is going to be different than someone who's saying, I'm knocking on the door of retirement and I'd like a larger sum of money. And to use that as my short-term bucket We've talked about the bucket strategy a little bit, but my short-term need money, that balance could be quite a bit bigger. Sure, it could be. And so, you know, hopefully we've, we've laid out some different options, everything from sticking cash under your mattress to um, putting it in a brokerage account. Sure. And, and everything in between. And I think, I think it's going to be case-by-case specific. You know, there, there's no blanket statements on, oh, everyone should just do this. Sure, it varies from individual to and family to family, and uh, the stage of life they're in. And um, we're certainly not advocating this in any way in a way to complicate your life any more than it might already be financially. Yeah. Uh, adding one more account or one more banking relationship should be looked at carefully. Um, and even with the online relationships, if you already have a relationship or a credit card with American Express or Citibank, then just get a savings account with them. Yeah. Keep it simple. Don't open too many accounts. Go. Don't go chasing rates for yeah. just a tenth of a percentage point on a small amount of cash. It's not going to make that much difference. Yeah. No, I, I think I think you're exactly right. Um, you know, this is something we, we talk to with all of our clients. Um, everyone's at different stages, and so. 
yeah, we'd be happy to have this conversation um, and share ideas, thoughts about what you can do. As, as I stated earlier, you know, cash is, a, is an important component of a healthy investment portfolio. And we're now just seeing interest rates creep back up to where, hey, we're actually getting some yield out of this portion of my investment portfolio. Sure. And so I think just being educated and strategic about it is important. It is important. And part of the financial planning process is identifying a family's goals. You know, what are your short, intermediate, and long-term goals? And uh, how are you going to fund some of those? What are the right instruments or what are the right buckets, as you mentioned, to do that with? Uh, Even as it relates to emergency cash reserves, I think the stage of life you're in might determine what that amount should look like. Uh, There's been a saying bantered around in the financial planning industry for years that says maybe three to six times your your burn rate or three to six times what it takes for your household to be able to pay all their bills each month is a, an amount that you should target for emergency cash reserves. Yeah. Uh, to your point, those who are still in school or just coming out of residency, their need might be greater, but they might have less wherewithal to be able to meet that need. Yeah. Uh, once you get into your mid-career and you're in a stable job, your earning power is much greater, you're maybe your cars are a little bit more reliable, your insurance coverage is a little bit better, you're in a little bit nicer home, uh, maybe that need goes down a little bit. Uh, uh, then as you approach retirement and begin to think about withdrawal strategies and um, how market changes could influence where you get money from and the best buckets to use money from, maybe that cash need goes back up again. Yeah. And uh, so I don't know that there's any right answer for all families. Uh, one more thing to consider is I think we all have an internal barometer about what mil- makes us feel good about where we're at financially, yeah. cash-wise. Yeah. And uh, I can just tell you that for me and my wife, uh, she feels better knowing that there's a little bit more in cash reserves than I feel we might need as a family. But if that gives her peace of mind, it's easily solved. And now with rising interest rates, it's paid for as well. Exactly. (laughs) I think that's a good way to to conclude. You know, Trent, thank you for sharing your thoughts. Hopefully this uh, didn't muddy the waters for people. Hopefully it um, made it clear that there's options. Yeah, it's my pleasure. You have options. Sure. So thanks for thanks for jumping back on. My pleasure. Happy to do it anytime. Right, we'll thanks, Chad. Again.